a very big welcome to everybody tuning in on the ICB News Channel. My name is Rob Marshall. This is episode 12 of our News Channel podcast. And it's a, a great pleasure of mine to bring you some... Uh, some great insights today, and they're not going to predominantly come from me, but from our ICB Executive Direc- Director, Matthew Addison, who's joining us fresh from a trip to Canberra and to bring us some insights into the federal budget that was delivered. It's November 2022, and uh, in the last week or so, the budget has dropped, uh, along with interest rates and the running of the Melbourne Cup just quietly. But uh, Matthew Addison, thank you for joining us today on the ICB News Channel podcast. Uh, thanks, Rob. Thanks for the introduction. It's great to be here. And can I just string a couple of words you said together? You said the interest rates have just dropped and they didn't. The interest rates actually just went up <laughs> uh, by 0.25%. Hopeful thinking. So. Hopeful thinking, I reckon, there. So, yes, we will we'll rectify that very quickly. Uh, uh, an interest rate hike that possibly wasn't as significant as some were expecting, Matthew? Uh, Rob, we're in interesting times and uh, the budget, which we'll get onto at the moment, I think reflected the interesting times we're in as an economy, as worldwide eco- economy and economic statistics, Uh, the war in Ukraine versus Russia, it's all affecting the way that our economy is read, the way our treasurer is reading things, the way our interest rates are going up and up and up, and our inflation figures, which came down a couple of days ago. So this budget we're talking about was really launched and delivered in a time that is really interesting So I'm labelling this budget both as a very cautious budget, a budget uh, that arguably is quite responsible because we don't quite know what the next six months looks like. So before we get into that, just maybe uh, just for the listeners and we, we, we call out the fact that uh, you may be tuning in today and you're a business owner, a small business owner, or you may be a bookkeeper working within a small business. You may not necessarily be a member of the ICB, but we, we want to give the ICB's reflections on the budget as it, as it was announced last week. And that's very much where we're going to go. A budget that probably in summary had an overview of being about cost of living relief, targeting investments, and interestingly, and called out by the the Treasurer, uh, putting in some hard yards of budget repair. So I'm interested, let's kick off with what, what, what exactly does that mean, Matthew? Look, again, it's reflecting on the interesting times we're in, Rob. The the Australian budget has an inbuilt structural deficit. Revenue line is here at about $630 billion. Our expenditures are about $680 billion. There's a $50 billion built-in structural deficit year on year. And this budget didn't do anything to that in our go-forward projections. It builds in and keeps that structural deficit uh, that, that arguably this government has inherited. Having said that, this budget deficit was was a little bit better than expected because revenues were higher than was first expected. So we have been set up. Um, We are where we are. And this budget was cautious, some would argue responsible for recognising times, recognising uncertainty, and that going forward, we just need to watch. Rob, I will call out, this was also the budget that was post-election 
It's only a little mm. while ago that this government came into power. They've spent some months getting mm. their feet under the table, learning, seeing, assessing. This budget delivers on their election promises. We will have another budget in seven months' time. So May next year, before the end of the tax year, we've got another budget coming, and that's when we'll see uh, a slightly different flavour in that budget, I think, than what we saw in this one. This was about delivering election promises. Yeah, no doubt about that. Let's, let's though, get into a bit of the weeds of, of this particular budget as it was un- rolled out. And in particular, we want to put that sort of review process around how does this affect bookkeepers and small business. Now, I know uh, in a previous conversation you mentioned that um, mentioned to me that there was fairly minimal input from uh, the Treasurer in regards to things that would affect small business. Uh, I think you mentioned something around about 16 pages out of, uh, or 16 points rather, out of uh, a very large document. Is that correct? Yeah, Rob. So uh, from a small business lens, if you were looking for small business initiatives, there wasn't a lot there. It was about big picture infrastructure, small business. The term got mentioned 16 times in the budget papers. In the overview document, one page is dedicated to small business and there were there was four factors to that small business specific items. There's other structural reform that is built into this budget that's good for small business, but there wasn't a lot of a small business uh, flavour or initiatives or encouragement in this budget. It's more about the structure that we work within couple of things we'll talk about in a little while in the detail, Rob, that impact us, but there's only a couple. Well, let's get into to the, the thing that's probably been on most small businesses' lips through the pandemic and certainly outside the, if we have indeed come outside the other side of the, the pandemic, I don't really even know what that means, but we'll, we'll run with it. There, things are improving. Getting people back to work. Um, definitely, there were some mentions in the budget. It's it's an issue. It's an issue for businesses that I'm associated with. It's an issue on mass across Australia. Give us a little bit of an insight into getting the the get the whole aspect of getting people back to work, in particular in relation to pensioners and the skill shortage that we see across Australia right now. Yeah, Rob, Australia really is suffering from that two years of lockdown and two years that uh, we couldn't get people into the country and um, there is a lack of workforce. So the the current estimates between half a million and 800,000 workers that employers are looking for right now. So this budget, this government has heard that workforce shortage, this budget has a few mechanisms in there. The first one is about pensioners. And what they've done is done some work on this income banking where a pensioner can earn more in a given year without it affecting their pension. So what that does is opens up some of those pensioners able to do more work for business in the current environment. That gets one set of the population back to work. Another avenue was the increased support for childcare. So increase... Um, The support in the childcare sector, again, hoping to get some of those parents back into the workforce a little bit quicker. Other measures included processing visas quickly. There's quite a backlog in terms of the processing of visas. $45 million was allocated to processing those visas and getting rid of the backlog. 
migration numbers are being held at a higher level than would otherwise be the case, allowing some offshore uh, people to come to Australia, join our workforce, solve some of these worker shortage issues we've got. A uh, bit of work in the skills area as well, Rob, both on, yes, on migration, but also in the education sector of recognising that employers need more skills, they need some skilled workers, they need some nuanced training, and so there's some support for TAFEs. Uh, you may have heard that headline, 480,000 fee-free TAFE places. This budget opens that up a little bit when it's worked out with the states that TAFEs aren't going to be able to provide all the education. So this budget has recognised that and opened the doors a little bit. And that's still got a journey to go in terms of exactly getting the right education for Australia. Um, and there's, there's more work to happen in that. One of the other ones, Rob, is um, overseas students are normally only allowed to work 20 hours a week. The, that restriction has been lifted during the COVID period, but that lift is staying in place for another six months. So they could work more than their 20 hours a week. So so there is some encouragement in, in there for small business. Um, there's some definitely some stri- strategic moves to, to address what is almost at times at a, at been a crisis. So uh, some good call-outs there, Matthew. I guess the other thing that when we, we think about what's happening in the small business environment right now is... just simply the well-being of small business owners. And and we want to continue to call out that bookkeepers are small business owners as well. Um, So the well-being of of our community and the well-being of those that we serve within our community um, has has had some um, addressing in the budget as well, and in particular uh, an increased um, funding or continuing funding of what we uh, have partnered with at the ICB, and that is the new access for small business um, operators um, uh, funding is the word I was trying to think of. And uh, certainly for those who've tuned into previous episodes of the ICB News Channel, we've had a, a real focus on that. And we'd encourage you, if you haven't listened to those previous episodes, we heard from one of the NASBO coaches and um, for small business owners, there is a real opportunity to, to tap into a free program that is 100% confidential and be able to freely speak about the, the pressures and, and some of the stresses that have come uh, on the back end of, of all of the things that we've just called out in relation to just supplier issues, issues to do with um, workers getting people back to work, etc. And it may be other things outside of that as well. We also heard a recent episode uh, where we heard from a former bookkeeper and small business owner about how he has struggled with that aspect of of uh, living through uh, the pressures of owning small business. So, again, some support was there in the budget for the uh, the small business wellbeing aspect of our community and we applaud the government for doing that. Let's talk a little bit about small business and energy, Matthew. Um, what's, uh, what, what, what are the takeouts from the budget for small business and energy? As we know, energy and going green is a bit of a political issue and constantly on the, the political table. This budget had a number of indicators about this government's view on going green 
and the energy sector and our future energy requirements. So there was um, 100,000 apprenticeships specifically in the energy sector. Uh, there was incentives for business, clean energy efficiency grants, where small business can look at uh, energy initiatives and apply for a grant to support them in putting those clean energy or energy efficiency mechanisms into place. Uh, there's some cost support, which I'm, I'm still looking to get my head into the detail of, for small business, again, in a efficient energy environment. And electric car infrastructure also got some support, as that seems to be a way that uh, the world is talking and various others talk about as our energy future might be electric cars rather than fossil fuel driven cars. So lots of indicators, Rob, in this budget setting us up for a future energy efficient environment. So as bookkeepers, as small business, I think we've just got to start opening our thinking a little bit more that government is allocating resource and funding to being, yes, going more green, but being efficient we may just need to do a little bit more work inside each of our businesses about adopting more efficient or more green energy. Yes, um, certainly it is on most people's lips these days and, and understanding that is, is something that as a community, as a bookkeeping community, we're coming to terms with as well, but clearly is something that is impacting small business and uh, there, there was certainly um, aspects of the budget last week that tap into that and, and your uh, analysis of that is one that we will continue to, to, to work through as, as more information comes to hand. When it comes to tax reform, that word that we all love, Matthew, uh, tax reform, I'm, I'm thinking one of the things that uh, certainly I've encountered with clients um, as I go around is the questions around the instant asset write-off. Uh, any news on the instant asset write-off that you can shed some light on? Well, Rob, as you're aware and our members are probably aware, uh, ICB and ICB through some of the associations we're involved with are calling for a continuation of the instant asset write-off. We don't see any value in small business or us as advisors having to create depreciation schedules for those assets that are worth $301 or $1,000 putting them on a depreciation schedule and then booking and accounting for writing them off over five years. Instant asset write-off, keep it high. Every business under $5 million, $10 million, $50 million turnover can write off their asset purchases straight away. Nothing in the budget about it, Rob. It is due to lapse um, and I just want to position the budget we just had in light of a budget we're going to have in seven months' time. So in May next year, there's another budget before the end of the tax year, and that's where I will see any sort of tax announcements, tax reform announcements. No news on the instant asset write-off. Very little about tax reform in this budget at all. There is indicators in the narrative about wanting to start a discussion about tax reform proper, Big picture tax reform. What do we need to do to reposition tax in Australia? And Rob, you and I have talked about before, if we could simplify tax, remove some of the burden behind the tax system. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We still need the tax revenue coming in, 
But boy, if we can make it simpler to do tax, how much better would Australia be? But nothing in this budget, Rob. In relation to, well, in relation to industrial relations, uh, not a lot in the budget, but there's been some commentary outside of that. Do you want to sort of give some some uh, insights into that? Um, and, and just before you do, something you just mentioned a moment ago that I want to just circle back on, and that is um, the importance of, um, especially for our membership, to understand that all of these things that we're discussing now, we, we do have not only a strong voice in the form of Matthew in most cases, um, giving our perspectives on a lot of these um, results, not only from the budget, but just government uh, call-outs in general. But we also have a great relationship with some um, important key stakeholders in the form of COSBOA um, and also ASPEFIO, the Family Enterprise Organisation. Matthew, those those connections are strong and really give us that added voice that I'm sure many of our members are really keen to ensure that we are having in, in these sort of conversations. Yeah. That's so what, what I'll do, oh, no, I'll throw to you for some commentary on that one. Yeah, no, we do work with some others. Uh, ICB doesn't join every organisation around the place. We join those that are of a similar voice and have a similar purpose. And that is giving a voice to the bookkeeping community, giving a voice to small business and trying to influence what happens in our environment. Um, the budget I'd love to say that small business was bigger and bolder and got mentioned, but I'm expecting more in May. There was um, some announcements in this budget about workplace relations and there was some extra funding given to the Fair Work Commission specifically to work with small business. In other places, the Fair Work Ombudsman got a bit more funding to help explain other areas, uh, domestic violence leave and PPL, which we'll come to in a moment. Um, so there, there is some recognition for small business. There's some recognition that regulators need to do a better job of working with small business. And that actually got called out in the budget quite specifically in the overview document. Small business and government working together, specifically called out and more resources put into that. The workplace relations, there is an intention by government to empower small business to employ more people that was given some words in the budget, but two days later, the uh, a bill was tabled before Parliament about industrial relations reform, and that's got some real, uh, I'm going to call them issues or real concerns, Rob, about what is proposed there and the impact on small business. Watch this space. It's only a bill before Parliament. They are trying to push it through, but uh, there's more work to be done on that one. You mentioned paid parental leave and domestic violence leave. That's probably nearly, if I could speculate, one of the most um, uh, impactful things that came out of this budget affecting our, our world as bookkeepers and small business owners. Give us a summation of where that's landed, uh, domestic violence leave and paid parental leave. So paid parental leave is the one that we know. It's in place, the admin burden flows through our, through our books, but government pays for it. So paid parental leave's here. It's here to stay. From 1 July next year, um, they've changed the rules so that either parent can claim the current 20 weeks of paid parental leave. Currently, the birth parent gets more of an allocation to the partner 
and they're changing the rules so that can balance out or be changed or actually turn the other way if they so, so desire. The other change is from a year later, 1 July 24, the 20 weeks becomes 22 weeks. And then as we head for 2026, it'll get up to 26 weeks paid parental leave. So as bookkeepers, we know the system paid for by government. We have to do some paperwork to, to have that flow through the systems. The other one, Rob, domestic violence leave, it's still a bill before parliament. It's been there pre-budget, but was referred to again in the budget documents. So domestic violence leave is a concept where every employer will have to provide 10 days paid domestic violence leave to victims of domestic violence. So uh, we're really hoping that some additional support for small business will come into being so that the small business will know how to help their workers, how to help their employees who may be a victim of domestic violence. Rob, before you were talking about the mental health support and the new, um, new access support services, I'm envisaging those sort of services available to help a small business know who to tap into, who to refer their employees to, to have the expert assistance for the employer. It's more than just giving 10 days leave. It's what sort of support does the worker and let alone the employer who might be seeking to help that worker. So a bit more to come here. It's a bill before parliament. There will be a bookkeeper impact because should this become law, we need to track if domestic violence leave is taken, record it and uh, account for that 10 days per year that they're allowed to take. More work to come, more detail to follow, Rob. So just calling out that new access for small business owners again, our connection is strong with Beyond Blue, with the ICB, and uh, certainly you're kind of connecting those two dots together and I think they are interconnected. Just just some clarity on the domestic violence leave though, Matthew, will that be government paid or is that employer paid? It is employer paid based on the current draft legislation with, with Parliament. So it's not like paid parental leave. Um, it is employer-paid domestic violence leave up to ten days. So, so can I can I suggest that you know this is a conversation because it was mentioned in the budget that will come up between bookkeepers and and small business owners uh, potentially. The takeout is let's not jump into shadows here. There's still a bit of distance to go on this one, and so uh, it is a watch this space. A, a sort of a arrangement at the moment, have I got that correct? Yeah, look, absolutely, Rob, but in so many ways, not a lot's going to change. What does a small business do if one of their workers is a victim of domestic violence? We support, we assist, we work with them, we financially support them as much as possible. In the law, you would be required to support them for 10 days leave. Um, I don't see some of that closeness to our employees, that connection with employees and support of employees changing a lot. One that I will call out that's um, not related but is in the same sort of package of things that were in the budget, Rob, is there was strengthening of the respect at work uh, policies mm. and respect at mm. work practices of an employer. And the budget documents included 
that no one should experience sexual harassment at work. So it's actually putting a positive obligation on an employer to ensure that there is no sexual harassment going on in their workplace. I have best couched this in terms of thinking like occupational health and safety requirements. You have to give a safe workplace, a physically safe workplace. Now there's this sexual harassment safe workplace as well. So you have a positive obligation to make sure techniques are in place so that no sexual harassment is going on in your workplace. And a really important call out there. I'm glad you have woven that in because I did see that in the budget and I probably didn't fully understand it as well as you've just explained it now. So uh, a good call out there. As we start to kind of get to the the, the back end of, of this review, and this is a review of the budget for for 2022 delivered in, in late October by the new government. Um, we always uh, have a bit of a smile, you and I, about stage three tax cuts. Uh, where where has where that landed? In fact, has it landed at all? I don't think any of us knew about stage three tax cuts until it was debated prior to this budget of whether we should have them or whether we shouldn't have them. And this budget was silent. So right now, the stage three tax cuts, which is a drop in the tax rates applying to individuals. So those cuts that are law, they're still going to happen from 1 July 23. But as I called out earlier, Rob, there's another budget before then. So they could quite easily get deferred or removed in that budget uh, in May next year. So right now, um, they are there. But let's uh, not hold our breath that they are going to stay in place. It does not affect the current financial year. Technology and digitisation, they're two words that we've heard a lot of in the last 10 years or more. Um, <clears throat> you and I talk about this one quite regularly and, and how it relates to, to, our uh, to the bookkeeping community. There wasn't a lot there for small business owners in particular from what I could see, but you can correct me wrong. It was more about government and digitisation and uh, and and uh, upgrading, you might say, of technology. Um, do you want to give us a little bit of a summation of that as well? Yeah, Rob, there were some really good things in this budget for the infrastructure of Australia. So NBN, it's a thing. It's here. Another $2 billion to make sure NBN gets into the regions and we all get internet coverage. That is the future of some of our digital journey. There's some other infrastructure changes and funding of government and improvements to government, improvements to departments, improvements to regulators. So some of the technology spend was really government getting away from their Commodore 386 and Lotus 123 spreadsheets and moving to <laughs> contemporary hardware, contemporary technology, you know, and, and best of breed to run the country. So some of those infrastructure changes I, I'm thinking are really good, Rob. Not a lot there for small business at this point in time. A continuation of some funding that already for programs that are already in place. I'm looking for a little bit more encouragement for small business to digitise moving forward. This budget did uh, endorse the uh, technology boost that 120% tax deduction and the 120% tax deduction for training in certain areas, that's still there to be legislated. They should be tax deductions in the current year's tax return eventually. And uh, another 
zone, if we can call it that, that um, more and more we're having to, to try and understand and get our head around when it comes to digital and currency is Bitcoin. Uh, what, there, was some, there was some commentary about um, um, Bitcoin in particular. Do you want to just sum up that for us? Yeah, this budget just confirmed some guidance that the ATO had been heading towards. And this budget confirmed that uh, Bitcoin is treated as an asset not as a currency. So some were positioning Bitcoin to be treated like a foreign currency. It's not. It is to be treated as an asset. It'll be subject to capital gains tax provisions. There is some commentary about if the Australian Reserve Bank creates a digital currency, that might have a different flavour, but that's a future discussion. Right now, Bitcoin trading, you need to record it as an asset. And our strong recommendation is get the right software to record, provide the records for all that Bitcoin trading that your client may be doing or your business might be doing, hand that over to the income tax accountant so that they can book it correctly in the tax return. So the, the evidences aren't there yet that the small um, the small business accounting softwares that we generally use have probably got a lot of capacity for that at this stage. Um, so you're suggesting there may be some other approaches to be able to, in effect, journal in the value of assets into your into your accounts. Is that correct? Yeah. Look, I would be keeping your main business uh, transactions about Bitcoin. Typically, you've got to transfer funds in and out of that Bitcoin account. Keep that very high level and let the Bitcoin trading software keep the full records. Yeah. I think you will yep. um, have to work very, very hard to do it in your normal business accounting software. So finally, as we, we wrap up what was an extremely busy, at times complex announcement around budget, and I know you were there on the spot in Canberra at the time and no doubt uh, heavily involved with, with uh, the papers as they came out, but your final thoughts, in essence, what does this mean to the bookkeeping community of Australia? What does it mean to small business in Australia? Are there any concerns? And if there was some things that you could put on the, uh, the radar as being, uh, what would we like to see? What would they be? So, Rob, to me, this budget was that post-election funding of election commitments. It actually doesn't change much of a small business world on a daily basis. It doesn't hit us. It doesn't give bookkeepers a whole lot more work to do. The PPL change is one to keep our eye on. DVL, should that come in? Um, the uh, I'm really looking for some reduction in complexity for small business. So I'm really looking for a simpler business environment, um, looking for a simpler workplace relations environment. And uh, this budget might have set some groundwork for that, but it's, uh, it's only the groundwork. There's a lot more work to, to happen. Um, this was one delivering some infrastructure change with the solution wherein sets us up going forward, but it wasn't a big impact one for us as bookkeepers or small business. It's been a, a very long journey for you um, over, I think we uh, discussed this recently, over at least the last uh, possibly upwards of 20 years of being a voice inside government for the ICB, or certainly since uh, its inception in 2005. Uh, Matthew, your, uh, your insights in regards to last week's budget are really, really 
key and important. And I hope that the bookkeeping community listening in today um, have got some answers because quite often it is really difficult to try and unpack uh, something like a federal budget each year and what does it really mean to to us and our community. So uh, from my perspective, thank you for, for one, uh, spending the time in Canberra as you did recently to, to, to be there as it happened and two, to spend some time here today on the ICB News Channel to, to unpack some of that. Um, there's still plenty to come. Um, one of the things that I think we both wanted to call out and that is when dealing with the um, the small business world, bookkeepers play a, a role of, I like to call it, calming the farm. There's a lot of things that happen and are heard and are said and whispers on the wind that can 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 frighten small business owners in particular or put send them off on tangents they don't need to go on. So a lot of last week's budget, I think, is around about um, waiting and seeing, as you've called out. I think next May's budget will probably have a lot more deeper detail in some of the things that were announced last week. But again, Matthew Addison, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. I'll give you any last thoughts and words on, on the recent budget. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for the opportunity. This budget did set us up in some senses for the future. Are there things I would have liked in it? Absolutely. But uh, I, I think we've got a groundwork to, to move forward. And uh, I don't think our busyness is going away, Rob. I think we'll stay busy for some time yet. So thanks all. Um, enjoy. And I would just to finish off with, we'll call out the fact that we are obviously uh, just uh, in the f- early parts of November when recording this. We've recently released our uh, October newsletter, uh, the ICB October newsletter. Um, make sure, especially for members, that you tune into that and, and, and gather uh, the insights that are in our newsletter. It's one of the more valued aspects of our membership we know. Um, but also for those tuning in and have listened to this commentary today, uh, go to www.icb.org.au. Um, if you go to the homepage, you don't have to be logged in as a member. You'll see our news item section. We spend a lot of time ensuring that the latest coming out of government, the latest happenings within bookkeeping and within the bookkeeping community are in that news item section and I'd really encourage you to engage with that and, uh, and, and stay connected with the Institute of Certified Bookkeepers who are providing that opportunity for small business owners and, and specifically bookkeepers working within, um, within business to stay connected as bookkeeping information comes to hand. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Matthew, again. Thanks, Rob. Good to talk. And as we continue episode 12 of the ICB News Channel, uh, it's uh, a great delight for me to introduce and bring in our uh, support and resources team member and our newsletter editor, Simone Emmett. Great to have you joining us on the podcast as usual, Simone. Hi, Rob. Thanks for having me. It's always good to have you, Simone, and you've put a mountain of work again. I mentioned it uh, in the session I've just had with Matthew. Our October newsletter is out, the ICB October newsletter, along with a, a whole stack of news items that are on our website. Um, you're, you're quite often the author behind most of those, and we're going to just pick up on a few of those just to finish off this episode of, of today's podcast. So let's kick off with a topic that we have spoken about before, but it has reached a critical mass now. It's at a deadline that uh, really we won't be talking much about this moving forward because it's, the deadline's here. So what we're talking about, of course, is director IDs. Uh, do you want to pick up on, 
on the key elements around what we need to be across for director IDs right now? Certainly. Um, I think one of the big questions is what is a director ID and why do you need one? Um, it's, it's really important because the, um, the deadline is the 30th of November, so people yes. need to get their, their heads across what you need to do. So yes. a director ID is a 15-digit identifier given to a director or someone who intends to be a director who has verified their identity with the ATO. It's a unique ent identifier that you apply for only once and you keep that same ID forever. Um, it, this is aimed at preventing the use of false or fraudulent identities, um, very much targeting illegal Phoenix activities and increasing transparency to help regulators track director relationships with companies and strengthen efforts to identify and eliminate director involvement in unlawful behaviours. Um, it, it very much helps to foster a fairer business environment for everybody. I know a lot of people are thinking it's, it's sitting on the bottom of their list at the moment. Yeah, yeah, and that's what we're calling out, I guess. So we've got to bring it to the top of the list. Very much so. And the fastest way to apply is by using um, your MyGovID app to log into the yep. ABRS online portal. And that yep. will take you through how to verify your identity with information um, You'll need documents such as the bank account where your tax refunds or payments are made and received, um, an ATO notice of assessment, um, personal documentation. Um, the penalties are significant if, if mm. there's a failure to meet these deadlines. Um, from what my research has found is that you can face fines up to 5,000 penalty units. And a mm. penalty unit is measured at $222 per unit. Wow. So that's, that's quite a lot of money if yeah. you do not, do not apply. And it's really important. Um, and if people are having any issues, the ATO are more than welcome to talk people through it online. And, yeah. and that there's, a, there's a video through the ATO website that really, yep. really is really clear on how to do this. Yep. Well, I can tell you, Simone, I did my director's ID uh, about a month ago and I did exactly what you just said. I went and watched the video and then I actually watched it again a second time and it sunk in and I went and did the process and it was very seamless. So we're hearing stories that some people have had some issues with this. So that's where you would reach out to the ATO for assistance or perhaps uh, engage with your your uh, your tax practitioner to, to have a conversation to see if there's anything they can do to, to intervene and, and assist, assist you with. But um, <clears throat> absolutely, the call out is 30th of November 2022, which is at the time of this recording, only weeks away. Um, you just need to put it to the top of the pile, as you've said. And uh, if you're aware of those, especially the bookkeepers listening in right now, if you're aware of clients perhaps who have got a an entity that uh, sees them listed as a director or some sort of involvement as a director, um, maybe a gentle or less than gentle prod <laughs> to uh, ensure that they meet the compliance. And it is a compliance piece. It is a law and uh, it needs to be met. So... Thank you for bringing that to our attention, Simone. Also, another article that we have um, also relating to the ATO that we want to sort of talk about for a few moments is in relation to ATO debt and uh, in particular 
um, debt that's been perhaps uh, put on hold. I'll let you expand on that one. Thanks, Simone. Yeah, certainly. I think the ATO debt, a lot of people had their ATO debt put on hold during COVID. This is no longer the case. Um, a debt can be placed on hold and the ATO won't try to collect the debt. But if a debt is deemed uneconomical for collection, um, it can be re-raised later. And, and what can happen with these is um, it can be credited against other account holders. So if your circumstances change and you're able to pay part of your debt, you can pay that. But the ATO have the power to offset the debt using one account against another. So they'll, they'll notify you in writing. You'll definitely yeah. get a letter. Your tax agent or your BAS agent will get a letter and you will, will be clear understanding that you can offset those debts. The other thing that they've also got the power to dec- disclose details of business taxpayers with overdue debt to credit re- reporting agencies, which is quite important because this could have a major effect on a business's cash flow once trade creditors become aware that they're with yeah. a credit agency. So yeah. again, the ATO will communicate this very, very clearly to the business owners. Um, from early October, they've been writing to business with businesses with active ABNs whose debt meets the criteria for disclosure, which is at least over $100,000, which is a significant amount to owe. Um, and again, can't stress enough, the key message is to engage with the ATO. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I guess from, so from the perspective of the small business owner, absolutely engage with the ATO. A lot of these debts, I heard an article on a a more mainstream commercial program last night where this was discussed. And a lot of these debts have kind of almost been in some cases forgotten. I mean, they're significant debts just quietly, but they have kind of been pushed to a side and now the, the emphasis is going back on those debts. So letters are being sent out from the bookkeeping perspective. As a bookkeeper myself, uh, there's a chance I may walk to, into a client who says, you know, what's this letter about? Uh, the engagement with the ATO uh, is really the important piece here. And also that piece about it, we you can um, uh, not defer the debt, um, but basically place it on uh, into, uh, what was the term you used? Uh, remind me again, Simone, you're able to uh, not defer it, um, put you it can onto... You place it on hold. Yeah, place it on hold. That's yep. the word I was looking for, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Love the beauties of live podcasting. Um, but more importantly, from a bookkeeper point of view, get inside the article that we've written about this, both on our website and also uh, available through our newsletter as well for October. And uh, information is there. Yeah, and just also reminding people that even if you do replace, if you place that debt on hold, it's still owing. It's still sitting yes. there. So yeah. the best thing for you to do is keep it in your mind and make sure that you are making those payments. Correct, yes. Just because it was parked at one point, don't think it's gone is the central message. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, um, the ATO is working really closely with the ICB in a, in a number of avenues um, and we'll t- touch on cyber in particular in a, in a short moment. But we also want to call out that the ATO in, in their own right have a lot of educational resources and ones that we highly recommend to both small business owners and uh, agents um, in particular to engage with, probably more so in some cases agents, being BAS agents or um um, tax agents, perhaps, if you're listening in. Do you want to expand a little bit on that one for us, Simone? 
Yes, certainly, Rob. The ATO have launched um, online service, services for agents' instructional videos. Their videos are designed to assist with performing a few tasks within the online services for agents that obviously people might find confusing. Um, yeah. Request and view the income tax lodgement status report. Request and view the outstanding activity statement report. View and print single tail single-touch payroll income statements and print account balances. These videos go through how to do this really clearly. I've done them myself yeah. um, just to see how informative they are and they're really worthwhile in assisting further education of how to use the online services for agents portal. I'm one of those agents, uh, Simone, who just finds things by accident sometimes. You know, I'm clicking around in the portal, as I still call it, uh, the online services for for Baz, for for Baz agents, as I am, and quite often I go, oh, wow, I didn't know I could do that or I didn't realise that was there. So, uh, yeah, these uh, educational videos are a good idea, especially for people like myself, uh, to go and have a look at and we'd really encourage you to do that Um Sooner rather than later, we would we would recommend. We also have had a, a real focus uh, through the ICB through the last few months. As we've come out the back end, I keep calling it out, I'm not sure if we're through it yet, but coming out the other side of, of the pandemic, one of the most uh, uh, significant disruptions we've seen in our generation, in our lifetime. Um, and as a result of that, the, the mental health support and education piece uh, from our perspective as an institute has become really important to be able to offer up and give opportunity to for our for our membership but also small business owners that we have that connection with through our through our members do you want to tell us a little bit about the mental health support and education piece that we have in our newsletter this month Simone certainly well from the research that I've done it's estimated that half of people will experience a mental health condition sometime over their lives um, as tax professionals, this relationship between thriving business and mental health affects you and many of your clients. Um, it's really important to know what to say, what to do, um, having conversations, what boundaries do you set around these conversations. And these are skills that need to be learnt. So ICB have some fantastic support for our members. Um, and we also, I, I did quite a bit of research and understanding that these Wellbeing activities also can be part of Bass Agent CPE. Yes. Um, yep. Tax Practitioners Board runs webinars. They just recently ran a webinar on money and mental health, um, which you can access um, by www.tpd.gov.au and just click through to their resources hub. Fantastic webinar. And, of course, there's all the accesses for, for small business, for which I'll leave you to discuss on, on, on what we've partnerships that we've formed. Yeah, and and uh, again, this was mentioned a little bit earlier with the session we did with uh, Matthew Addison talking all things budget. Part of the budget this year was to increase, to give significant funding increases to, to mental health support and awareness. And included in that is a program that we have partnered very closely with through Beyond Blue, which is the new access for small business owners. The, we call it the NASBO. And uh, again, I'll call out that opportunity is there for um, some free sessions that are available to small business owners. I want to make sure I've got the uh, the correct details here. So 
the new Access for Small Business Owners program. It's a half hour per week coaching session and it focuses on supporting small business owners, including sole traders, to overcome up a particular problem, whatever that may be, while managing any presenting issues around anxiety and or depression. The coaching service, support service, is part of a mental health program available for anyone who is simply just having a hard time. And I think, like you've called out, uh, the the 50% that you've mentioned is probably a conservative um, estimate, I would think, right now. Uh, certainly in the environment that I work in as a bookkeeper, you know, there's a lot of people who have just found coming coming through the pandemic and then again outside um, of the, the main thrust of what's been the pandemic has been extremely challenging for small business owners. So make sure you tap into that. The, um, the, there's a, a num- uh, there's a in- fair bit of information available on our website, www.icb.org.au, around that program. Um, but you can also just simply reach out to Beyond Blue. They have a helpline, which is one three hundred double two four six three six um and there's also chat and email facilities available as well but all that information is in our newsletter and also on our website and we'd encourage you you know be brave um if you feel as though that could be of benefit to you that especially the the nasbo program we really strongly encourage you to engage with it and if you haven't heard, haven't listened to it in a, in our previous episode of the ICB News Channel. Go back and have a have a listen to a, a wonderful interview we did with a, a, a chap called Tim Hoopman who uh, told his story, and uh, he's a former bookkeeper and small business owner. And uh, it's a, it was a wonderful story, uh, difficult to listen to in some parts, but certainly uh, calls out the importance of, as you said, Simone, just simply reaching out and having a chat to somebody. And that's what this free program offers up. And it's fully confidential. You can do it after hours. It's, it's, it's um, really been thought through really well by um, Beyond Blue. And just to finish off with, um, we want to just sort of mention that Obviously, there's been a lot happening in the cyberspace over the last uh, month or two in particular. We've seen the, the, uh, the situations with Optus and Medibank. I've, I've heard of uh, some scenarios happening with Woolworths as well and even an interview I heard again on commercial stations recently around concerns within the real estate industry and tenant information. So it's, there's just a lot happening. It, it, in some cases, it's it's pretty confronting. And so we have gone to great lengths in the October newsletter to put together a, an article simply called Be Aware of What You Share. Now, this is also available on our website, icb.org.au. Um, and we'd really encourage you to go and have a look at that. The Institute of Certified Bookkeepers acknowledges that this this growing scenario and these growing numbers and recent surges in, in data breaches and scams are on the minds of everybody, individuals, small business owners, and certainly us in our community as bookkeepers. And we're, we're really taking a, a serious stance on this, as we should do. Uh, we have engaged really closely with the ATO, I can assure, especially members listening to this right now, um, I'm involved personally uh, in monthly meetings with the ATO around what's happening in the cyberspace for agents and uh, we're making sure that we bring that to you as, as that knowledge becomes um, clear to us. But the article really goes deep into what are the sorts of, sort, sorts of personal information that you need to be aware is floating out there and is perhaps vulnerable 
to be alert of the various scams, obviously, that do exist. And then we tap into uh, the the um, information that we work with very closely with the Australian Cyber Security Centre and, again, the ATO around ways to protect yourself. And we've ident- identified probably the top three things that you need to consider to protect yourself, which is to update your devices, uh, to protect important information. Now, Simone, I don't know about you, but in the past I'm one of those that you know, sometimes wakes up and sees that notice on my phone saying, oh, there's an update out and I've gone, oh, I don't want to do that now. You know, I've got time. It's going to take time. But we're calling it out. When those updates come out, generally they're for a very strong reason and that reason most likely is around uh, protecting you and your device and and your information. Protect your accounts with multi-factor authentication. We've mentioned this before it is probably at the top of the tree when it comes to bookkeepers and the type of softwares that we engage with on a daily basis. And then finally, back up data regularly to the cloud or an external hard drive so that you've got that protection if you are breached in some way or another. We've got lots of tips in the newsletter about how you can engage with some um, courses around learning cybersecurity. And in particular, um, we've got an article that calls out um, a program that is being introduced by, um, well, I'll I'll call it out, the title is Simple Cyber Security for Small Business, and it's a new initiative to keep Australian small businesses safe online. Virtually um, a a program brought to you by the Council of Small Business Organisations of Australia, or COSBOA, and we'd recommend that you go and look at that as well. So all of these opportunities to stay engaged with how to avoid or how to mitigate the cyber threats that are out there. We've also got some information directly from the ATO on advice as to how to protect yourself and we encourage you to go and have a read of that. And again, it calls out those similar themes of updating devices, multi-factor authentication, backing up. And we had hoped to have uh, um, somebody from the ATO joining us on this particular episode of the podcast. That that didn't happen in the end, but we will continue to pursue that and get some um, direction direct from the ATO uh, as a voice from that uh, that important organisation that we all work with on a, a pretty much a daily basis as people in the bookkeeping community. So, Simone, it's again another busy. Another busy month has just gone by. We're coming up towards Christmas. I'm sure you've uh, got plenty of more information, critical information, daily information that's crucial for bookkeepers uh, in mind for the November newsletter, which will be coming out. And Very we'll look forward to that. So, yes, that's already, already started, November and December already started. There's so much news around at the moment. And it, look, it is very much centred around cyber and, and security, but well, there's plenty of information for bookkeepers coming into the Christmas period. Excellent, Simone. We are very thankful for the fact that you pretty much dedicate yourself to keeping your finger on the pulse and making sure that from a bookkeeping perspective, all the latest news, all the latest information, all the latest compliance, what's coming out of government is uh, is your finger is on the pulse there along with uh, our uh, director, Matthew Addison, and we're making sure that members in particular are kept up to date. Make sure you constantly check our latest news on a daily basis on icb.org.au and uh, also 
obviously engage with our newsletter as we've called out a few times. But Simone, for the moment, that's uh, that's a wrap, I reckon. Uh, lots to take in there. We uh, again want to thank Matthew Addison for joining us earlier in this session uh, with a bookkeeper's view of, of the budget. And uh, if you haven't listened to that, I'd suggest you go back and have a listen. It was uh, an excellent way of reviewing what was in the budget and the effects on small business owners and bookkeepers. But Simone, again, thank you for your uh, valuable contribution to our community and we will speak to you again soon, no doubt. Thanks, Rob. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Simone.